Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 312 for the 5th of Tishrei in a leap year. I remember the first time I realized, or perhaps someone told me, that uh, when I'm looking in the mirror, I'm actually not seeing myself the way that other people see me, but I'm seeing a mirror reflection of myself, an inverted reflection of myself, where the right is the left, the left is the right. It really weirded me out. It's really strange, right? And the truth is actually most phones, when you take a, a selfie on your phone, uh, or you know, taking a picture on your phone, it, they're, they're programmed to do this, to show you the mirror image of yourself. There's a feature on most phones where you can actually uh, in, you can actually take off this feature. You can flip it so that it's actually a more accurate representation of your face, at least in terms of how other people see you. And I know that like when I've done this, it's like it, it's really strange. And it's like it's almost like I don't recognize myself or something feels off. I mean, I do recognize myself, but something feels off about it. We're so used to seeing ourselves in this mirror image way when in fact that's just a mirror image of you. And the true you is is not in the mirror, right? So why do I bring this up? Because in fact, this is a very profound idea because the truth is this world that we live in is a mirror image. So the way that our world is set up is that everything that we experience down here below has a reflection above, but in fact, we're the reflection. It's it's not, so this, this kind of goes back to the principle that we've spoken about in the past about the anthropomorphization of God. When we talk about God's hand, God's anger, all that stuff. And it's like, we tend to think of it in terms of like, well, I have a hand, I get angry. So God, this is how I can relate to God is thinking about him in those ways. But the truth is, the exact opposite is true. It's that more like that God has a a hand, not a corporeal hand, not a hand the way that we think of a hand, but he is like the ultimate source of handsness or of any emotion, of love, of of uh, anger, even any of these things. There's There's a spiritual kind of like supernal archetype of all these things above. And when we look at our own personal hands or any of the emotions that we experience, these are merely reflections of something much higher of an archetype of these kind of things above. And when we think of a mirror, a mirror reflection, then that's a two dimensional reflection of what you're seeing of yourself, right? But what about if we add a third dimension? What if we think about three dimensionality? What, how does that play out? What, what would a, a mirror image or reflection of that look like? Well, so you can think of this in terms of a seal, like a stamp that if you were to take like a piece of concrete, let's say like, you know, like the celebrity stars that they have in Hollywood, uh, or I've seen them actually in botanical gardens, 
randomly, like those little like imprints on the ground, you know, or any kind of imprint. So what's happening with that imprint? How does that imprint get created? Is that you have this like stamp kind of thing, this, this uh, seal, and the stamp is protruding. It's this protrusion that gives it this form of the stamp. And then you take the concrete or you take whatever material you're putting the stamp into. And then when you put it into the concrete, what happens is you create this indentation in the concrete. And now you have that same image, but instead of it being protruding, it's actually indented. So what was once convex is now concave. So it again creates, creates this reversal of effect. And another principle to keep in mind with all of this is a principle that's com- that comes up quite a bit in Hasidus, which is that the higher something's source, the lower it falls or the lower it gets manifest down here. A way to kind of understand this is like, let's say if you were to take a penny and you were to, let's say you're standing in the middle of the street and you drop that penny on the ground. And let's assume for the sake of this exercise that the ground is kind of muddy and, um, you know, not like this solid concrete, but it's more like wet concrete, let's say, you know. And so you drop that penny on the ground, so it makes a mark in the wet concrete, right? It's going to make a little mark there. It's going to have a little sh- shape of that penny. Okay, but the the imprint isn't going to be so deep. It's going to be pretty shallow if you're doing that from just standing. Now, what if you were to take that same penny and you were to drop it from a very high building and you should drop it down, the indent in the ground is going to be a lot deeper because the higher something is, the lower it falls. And that principle that we find in physical reality rings true for spiritual reality as well. So that spiritually speaking, the higher something source, the lower it manifests down here because everything in this world is that inverted seal, that inverted reflection of that which is above. So this is what we're going to be learning about today. And we're specifically going to be learning about this in the context of Torah and mitzvahs and about how here in this world, Torah appears to be higher than mitzvahs, appears to be loftier, but in fact, in its source, in its root above, mitzvahs actually come from a higher place. So this this episode today is going to get quite, we're going to bring up quite a bit of Kabbalistic kind of terminology and everything, so, uh, so bear with it and don't get too overwhelmed by that kind of stuff. But it is a really basic, simple concept in that way, that really the basic thing that we're going to be learning today is this idea of the higher source of the mitzvah in comparison to the Torah, even though here in our world, it appears to be the opposite. And the reason why we're bringing all of this up is because we've been learning that the broader discussion, the broader context of what we've been discussing in this epistle, epistle 20 of Igeras HaKodesh, is about the superiority of, of ex nihilo, creation and we contrasted that with causality and we talked about where this ex, where the power of this ex nihilo um, comes from the ability that God has to create something from nothing. And we left off yesterday saying that this comes from the from the level of Malchus. And what we're going to be learning about today is that this level of Malchus actually has a connection with the mitzvahs because the mitzvahs correspond to that part of God's name that is associated with, with Malchus versus the Torah corresponds to a part of God's name that seemingly seems higher, that is a higher part of God's name. But again, because everything is flipped around, it actually is not, is sourced in a lower place than the mitzvahs themselves. So let's get into the text and see how the Altar Rebbe explains all of this. And for context, once again, we are in the middle of Epistle 20 of Iger HaKodesh. So here we go. So the Altar Rebbe begins and he says, through this, we will understand this idea 
that even though the mitzvahs are in Malchus, and what does that mean that the mitzvahs are in Malchus? That in the name of Havaya, in the Tetragrammaton, the mitzvahs correspond to the last letter He with, of the name of Havaya. So the name of Havaya is made up of four letters. It's uh, the it's a Yud, and it's a He, and a Vav, and a He. So the la and each one of those letters corresponds to a, to different parts of the spheros, different parts of the divine makeup. And so the last He corresponds to Malchus, the lowest of all the spheres. And the Torah, by contrast, corresponds to the Zer Anpin, which is the Vav of the Yudke Vavke. So the Zer Anpin, if you've been following along, is the six emotive attributes. So again, we have the three um, intellectual attributes, and then we have the six emotive masculine attributes, and then we have the seventh feminine emotive attribute, or which is called malchus. And when we look at the tetragrammaton, the, the breakdown of it basically is that the first yud corresponds with chokhma, the first intellectual attribute. The second, the the then the hey after that corresponds to bina, the second intellectual attribute, and then the vav corresponds to the six emotive attributes, masculine emotive attributes, and then the hey corresponds to malchus. So that's the basic idea, right? Okay, so now the so now looking at this, then we say, okay, so the mitzvahs are which are sourced in the last hey, which is malchus, seem to be lower because the last hey is a lower place, right? Malchus is lower versus Torah is in Zer Anpin in the Vav, that seems to be higher. However, says the Ultra in within the Arich Anpin, the, which is on in the, that place of Keter. So Arich Anpin is found in, in that space that is above Chokhmah, which is in Keter. It's the lower aspect of Keter. It literally translates to mean long face. So in that level of Keter above in the Arich Anpin, we find that the mitzvahs are actually found in the skull, in the whiteness of the skull. So what does that mean? They are found in the part. So if you look at a person's skull, right, they have hair on their head. And then between the hairs is whiteness. There's like um, the skull. There's there's little paths. And these paths, says the Ultra Rabbi, divide, divide into 613 paths of the Torah as it is found within Zer Anpin. So meaning to say, so the source of the Torah comes from the supernal chokhmah, the supernal wisdom in the concealed mind of Arich Anpin. Um, and this is the wisdom of the meaning of the mitzvah. So Torah, when we talk about Torah, we're basically saying that this is the mind of God. Torah is the intellect of God. It's, it's that hidden intellect of God. And the hairs come out of the hair. It's come out of a person's head. That's like sort of like we, we think of it as wisdom. There's something about hair that it's, that it's kind of like the emanations of wisdom. So it's the emanations of the Torah. However, what we're saying is that the mitzvahs actually come from a higher place than the brain itself, than the mind itself, they come from the skull. They come from this place on top of the head, which is higher. And th these are the paths through which these 613 aspects of the Torah emerge. And so the Ultra Rebbe explains that this is like an inverted seal. So this is where we come to that imagery of this idea of the beginning is wedged in the end. And this is the power of the infinite one, blessed be he, to create something from nothing, not through causality, not through Eli and Alo, whereby the effect, the Alo, would be encompassed by the Ila, the, the cause, and thus nullified to it. So meaning that it's like uh, if you, you know, if you know the, the cause of something, then it's like the cause really takes 
precedent over the effect. It's really what is the effect other than a manifestation of the cause. But rather, when we're talking about ex nihilo creation and not causality, then this this um, this thing, this something that comes about from the nothing becomes something substantial in its own right that is that is separate from God. And what's the purpose of this? Why did God make this creation something from nothing? Why did God create things that are so distinct from him? The purpose of this is in order for us to keep his mitzvahs, to keep the mitzvahs that he commanded us. So it's like in order to have in order for there to be something that keeps God's commandments, there has to be something separate from God, right? If there's just God, then who is he commanding exactly? So that's the purpose of the ex nihilo. And so now the ultra rabbi says, This is a very famous uh, saying that the, the final act was first in thought. So meaning to say that, again, there's this principle of like, it's the same thing like the beginning is wedged in the end kind of thing, that basically the mitzvahs, which is the end point, the whole point of creating the world is the mitzvahs, they were actually first in thought. So again, it's, it's pointing to this idea of the superiority, the superior origin of the mitzvahs. And the ultra rabbi says that this is why the sages asked in the Talmud Yerushalmi, this is found in Shabbos 1-2 of the Talmud Yerushalmi, that it's, uh, that they ask, is then Rabbi Shimon, not of the opinion that one interrupts Torah study in order to fulfill the commandment of Lulav. So basically, so just for context with that, there's a whole discussion in that part of the Talmud Yerushalmi where Rabbi Shimon said that he would not interrupt his Torah study even to recite the Shema, which the Shema is a commandment. So it seems to, it seems like he was saying that the Torah uh, took precedent over the mitzvahs. And the response in the Talmud Gershomi was like, wait a minute, didn't Rabbi Shimon himself say that you should interrupt Torah study for to fulfill the commandment of Lulav? Meaning like, doesn't Rabbi Shimon himself believe this idea that mitzvahs take precedence over the Torah? And indeed, this is usually the case that mitzvahs take precedence over the Torah. And then the Talmud Yerushalmi there goes on and, and it gets into a full discussion about that. Is the Shema considered to be a mitzvah that a person would interrupt their Torah study or not? It's a whole thing. But the basic point that the ultra was trying to bring out here is this idea that generally speaking, mitzvahs do take precedence over the Torah. And then, uh, and then the Talmud Yerushalmi brings this really interesting quote from Rabbi Yochanan, where it says that anybody who learns Torah without the intent to practice, it would be better for him had his, his afterbirth turned over, which is like a really strange thing to say. So first of all, like what, what's the afterbirth? The afterbirth is the placenta as well as the other fetal membranes that come out after a woman gives birth. And so this is sort of like at first glance, like a, a poetic or sort of abstract way of saying that somebody who learns Torah without the intention to keep the mitzvahs, he should never have been born. But why does Rabbi Yochanan say it in this like very weird way about the afterbirth? What's with the afterbirth and everything like that? So the ultra Rabbi explains, he says that the afterbirth was formed by first, it was the first thing that was formed by the seminal drop. And this was the main part of the of the child for 40 days when the child was becoming a substance, was, was being formed into an embryo. So even though when a woman gives birth, the usual chain of events is that first she gives birth to the child and then there's the afterbirth after that, really the afterbirth was formed first. That was the first thing that was formed. So this is the same thing like the mitzvahs. So the mitzvahs, so just like the afterbirth is really the essential essence of the child it's the, it's the main child this is how the child was formed 
this is how we can understand the Torah and mitzvah. So even though it seems to us down here that the the Torah is the source of the mitzvahs, right? We, why do we keep mitzvahs? Because it says to do so in the Torah and all of that. The truth is the mitzvahs are like that afterbirth, that it seems like it's the secondary thing down here. But the truth is, in its origin, the mitzvahs are actually the source. The mitzvahs are the main thing. And the mitzvahs are, in fact, the source of the Torah and the root of the Torah. And even though the mitzvahs are physical and the Torah is wisdom, so this is just externally and the other way of looking at it is internally as will be explained further below. So again, so that, so this is the end of the section. So again, it's like that inverted seal. So basically it's like, if you look at it from the outside, just like a, a seal that you look on the ground, like let's say if you put that imprint in the ground of, uh, of that penny. So if you look at a penny, so a penny has like certain protrusions on it that cause it to have a certain image, right? Um, but then when you put those same protrusions into the ground, what happens is that those protrusions become indentations. So it depends on the perspective that you're looking at it. Is it a protrusion or is it an indentation? It depends on how you're looking at it. So from an external perspective, like if you were to just walk by and see that imprint in the ground, then it looks like an indentation. But if you were to look at the source of where that indentation came from, you look at the penny and you see the protrusion. So the same thing is here, that here, that in our physical world, it appears to be that the uh, that the Torah is higher and the mitzvahs are the secondary part and the mitzvahs are coming from the Torah. But the truth is it's actually the opposite in its source, that the, the mitzvahs are actually higher and the Torah is coming out from the mitzvahs. So that's it for today. I hope that was interesting to you, gave you a little bit of insight. And uh, we're going to continue along these lines tomorrow and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.